0: This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System or visit us at nbasoundsystem.com for more. Now to the host for this edition of NBA Sound System Live, Carlin Gay and
1: Micah Adams. If you haven't already visited us on nbasoundsystem.com, now is the time to do so. You can find shows upon shows upon shows between myself and Micah Adams and other great hosts on this very podcast network. We are LIVE Live, Micah, and we are here to break down episodes seven and eight of The Last Dance. Uh, I mean, we're almost there. We're almost at the finish line. Uh, does it feel like that? It's, I mean, it's, it's been almost a month now, about a month actually now, uh, since we've had the first two. I can't believe that we've seen eight of these. I
0: I, I think I, I almost watch it as as each one is one episode. So maybe maybe that kind of makes it seem like it's flying by when we've seen eight of them in a span of four weeks. But I can't I can't believe it's almost over. Like I I just feel like it was yesterday that we that we just started watching. We we just started episode one like last week.
1: Yeah, it feels like yesterday where we started complaining that these weren't out and available for us to watch, but they not, they are out and available for us to watch, and we have enjoyed them for now. Eight episodes of The Last Dance, Michael Jordan, and Chicago Bulls story. Uh, we're specifically going to talk about episodes seven and eight. We'll also talk about the, uh, the 98 Indiana Pacers series, which is leading into episode nine and ten, which will be the final two episodes. We'll talk about... The 96 Finals MVP. Should Michael have won it or should have gone to someone else? Uh, The final series, of course, with the Seattle Supersonics. We'll break that down. And Michael believes that the 72-win Bulls are the greatest team of all time. I happen to disagree. We'll get to all of that and more right here on this very show. Uh, But first things first, Michael, what did you learn from the last two episodes, episodes 7 and 8 of The Last Dance? Well,
0: what I learned off the last forty-five seconds is my my entire reaction is basically to everything that you say is just Michael Jordan watching Gary Payton on an iPad, uh, just losing himself. <laughs> That's what I'm doing right here, uh, listening to you rattle off uh, those last forty-five seconds. No, I um I thought episode seven uh, in particular was was by far the best one that we've seen yet. Uh, All of the just the behind the scenes um, stuff from uh, from his first retirement from baseball. We had Terry Francona uh, coming back from his uh, retirement press conference. Uh, I mean, there's there's like Ted Koppel and Dan Rather and Tom Brokaw are all there. It's just it's wild kind of watching it back and realizing just like, oh, my God, in the moment. This was just so massive, beyond what a young and impressionable uh, six-year-old version of me would have known at the time.
1: Yeah, that's it's it's crazy to look back and think about how you know. I mean, newscasters aren't as big as they once were. I, I can I can say that it, the, the the way we watch the news at six p.m. has kind of changed for a whole generation. So they're not stars like they were when we were growing up. But to have those. Faces really, the faces of you know the, the country, uh, on, on TV, uh, not just in sport but carry over into the entertainment, into just regular old news. And for them to all be there to sit there to, to watch Michael Jordan go through his retirement press conference is, is, is incredible, and it, it was great to see uh, that moment because, like you said, we lived it, but we we have a different perspective now.
0: Oh, for sure. And I I even think like all the little details, but like I I never had any idea that like the news broke the night before while he's at a White Sox game and hearing all of that and sort of seeing it all unfold kind of as it did. uh, Yeah, I think sometimes we have this uh, we have this mindset that like. The media environment today is just so much crazier than it ever was with social media, and with Twitter, and it's just a 24-7 news cycle. Like... It was pretty crazy back then, too, even even looking at like all the like the newspaper headlines and all the columns that were written in the aftermath of, of, you know, the the tragic events of Jordan losing his father and just kind of watching him navigate all of that in what is still kind of a, a really just. Uh, kind of grueling environment is is just I, it's something that I did not I don't think ever came close to fully appreciating uh, a, as much as I, I do now having seen it
1: yeah the talk radio was was still kind of uh, new in in some places the newspaper still ran the role you know every time it, it makes me laugh on twitter every, all the uh, you know the pictures of michael or his teammates reading the newspaper like that i mean that doesn't happen now it's just you, you're looking down at your phone you're scrolling through your phone so uh you know as you said you know it, 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 uh, that kind of shocked me too the 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 spotlight on sports was still pretty big back then uh you know it, it may feel bigger now because everyone has a voice but there's still there's still that 24/7 sort of coverage especially on the uh, sports networks.
0: Yeah, and I love the the other part that that really stuck out to me uh, in addition, you know, in addition to the baseball and seeing li- little things like what? Well, like Terry Francona, like World Series manager was Michael Jordan's minor league manager, all those little details I, I thought were incredible. Uh, the most profound part to me was the the last like 90 seconds of episode seven where where it opens with MJ beating everybody running sprints in practice and his voiceover saying basically quote, you ask all my teammates, the, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do anything that he didn't do himself goes on to say I wanted to win but I wanted them to win and be a part of that as well and just sort of like seeing the raw emotion on his face and watching Michael Jordan himself like break down even just reminiscing about his whole perspective and his approach and how he played the game uh, like that was just like a raw completely uh, just a completely raw side of Michael Jordan that I don't think anyone has ever seen before. Uh, that really just, it, that will stick with me for a long time, I think. We're
1: going to put you on the spot here and ask you a question that I don't think we planned for, but here we are. Uh, that- what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, leading up to the leading up to uh, you know the airing of this series, <laughs> we've only ever heard about how uh, we would find out and we would see things that maybe would make us cringe about Michael and the way that he kind of led, and you know eight episodes in. I feel totally fine with the way he led, uh, and 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 things that have been shown in the documentary to us. You know, I mean, there's things in there that you probably cringe at if you are you know, if you if if you and I are in the office and you get up and we and we, I punch you in the face. Uh, you know, it's probably not going over <laughs> as well as the same way well, that you know he was able to get away with that with Steve Kerr and go on to win three championships after that. That's it's a little different, but. I mean, it, it wasn't outrageous to me. It didn't shock me. I didn't see anything or hear anything so far that shocked me, which which you know makes me think about: Are we giving MJ a pass for the way that he led because he won? Because there's other, there's no, other players that didn't I, have to lead that way. I mean, Tim Duncan didn't go around punching Steve Kerr in the face when he was a member of the Spurs, and he he won you know five rings and he was fine. No,
0: it, but look, everybody's got their way of, of doing things, right? And I think just because Michael Jordan's way was different than Tim Duncan's way or different than Magic Johnson's way doesn't necessarily make one of them right or wrong. The thing that I just truly respected out of it was like watching Michael Jordan now, what, 20 years after the fact, reminisce about it and speak about it and get emotional in the manner in which he did shows you like – man he really met every single word out of his mouth and and look i we've talked about this before i think that it's for as much as this is a documentary right it's going to it's going to paint him mostly in a positive light even if there are tough discussions and and revealing sort of details about his past that maybe aren't the most flattering But, like, you have to imagine that that this is being framed in a way that kind of gives him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. But then when you you see kind of the passion and emotion of it, looking back on it, you just, I I just, I I love the authenticity of it. And I think it's just, it's incredibly refreshing to see the degree to which all that, like, he's not just like, uh, it's not like a branding campaign. It's not like Michael Jordan's trying to market himself. Uh, you know, where where I think a lot of times, like when, when Kobe would do this, you would kind of say, oh, Kobe's trying to market himself like MJ. Or you see some of the ways that, like, LeBron will either subtweet guys or he'll talk in the third person or he'll buy his whole team suits so they can walk in before a, a finals game. Like, a lot of that just sometimes in the moment, I think, can feel a little bit intentional or contrived whereas everything about what Michael Jordan was doing and saying felt just like that's just who the guy is and you even saw that with like uh, Terry Francona I think he said watching how much better he got playing baseball and the work ethic and the swing coach saying like what if he had another 1500 at bats he would have made it to the majors I I think all of that you kind of throw into a a cauldron and you you just see Michael Jordan as this just living Embodiment of every single word that he breathed, he truly meant.
1: I love Michael Jordan uh, as much as the other guy. The fifteen hundred a bat thing—I don't know about that one. I mean, I, that, that, <laughs> I could have left that one out. That, he was stretching it a little <laughs> bit, uh, going a, a, little a little step let's, too let's far. To, yeah, that was that was a little too much. My, my, like, my but, man was like uh,
0: pay, my man was like Pedro Serrano in Major League couldn't uh, couldn't hit a breaking ball. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, not many of us can, but uh, so that kind of led him back to the NBA where uh, where he is, you know, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. And his comeback was shown in episode seven and eight. And when you look back on it, and I remember, I remember where I was. I remember uh, who I was watching it with. The first game back against Indiana, and them making a big deal of him coming back. It was it was a massive, massive event. Um, and 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 you know the, the stat line wasn't you know great for him, but it was. I remember feeling like it, it, basketball is back with Michael back in the game.
0: I just I can't believe like looking back on it, and you see like. This dude was just so good. He could not play for 21 months and just come back and be, what, like one of the five best guys in the league, like immediately? Like, it's, it's just, it's absolutely nuts. Like, I can't imagine that happening today.
1: Yeah, it's it's insane to, to think about how uh, he was able to just kind of get off the couch, you know, so to speak. it wasn't really he was playing a completely different sport, but he came out of retirement and just, you know, was the second best player on the floor that night, uh, you know, against a really good Indiana Pacer team. And they almost won the game like they took the game to overtime on the road, ha- hadn't played with some of those guys on the on the team before only Scotty remained back from, you know, the championship years, which is, you know, uh, something we'll get into here. But that was I mean, that that's pretty remarkable for him for him to do that um when you look back on that you know his 17 game regular season in number 45 you know what I mean the numbers are the numbers but what really sticks out to you I mean he he did average 27 points per game in in 17 games back I think people think people uh, first of all I think people kind of give
0: him not a like a pass isn't the right word because that it feels like that just feels like like I'm coming at Michael Jordan and it's like that's not what this is at all. But people talk about like like the '94 '95 playoffs as if they just didn't happen. And like ninety four, okay, that's fine. Like Michael Jordan's not around. Ninety five, like in that Magic series, like he's awesome. Like he's not good in game one. Uh, he has some bad, some bad stretch down down the end of game six there. But for the most part, like Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, right? And I feel like people people kind of talk about, oh, he was six and zero in the finals. Well, like they would have been six and one in the finals had they gone on to play the Rockets because the Rockets absolutely smashed the magic and it's a magic team that that kind of like was too much for 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 michael jordan and the bulls so the bulls are well, in yes, a way like time, they're kind of lucky that they, they're they kind of lucky that they lost the magic
1: Timeout. so did well, we yeah, know why go. the rockets beat the magic you know as badly as they did it's because the, the magic just weren't ready mentally to take on the challenge that were the rockets the rockets had been there a year before they were ready but they were ready, they they were were ready mentally to take on michael Jordan. Beat. Well Michael Jordan the team wasn't as good the team wasn't as good with with uh, with MJ there I'm saying that the the like Nick Anderson goes to the foul line misses those free throws that changes the entire series They end up getting swept. They just didn't have the the mental capacity to bounce back from them from that right like I, I, I'm just saying that that team was good, but they they just were too young in that big of a spotlight like if the Bulls get there it's a different story. Like if, if Michael's able to find I, the confidence, the way that he was able to find it in you know halfway through that Magic series, and he's as good as he is, and the rest of the team sort of follows. I, I mean, who's to say they're seven zero in that in that uh, no, I don't, final series?
0: I don't buy that for a minute. Look, I, because the the same Nick Anderson that misses those free throws is the same one that wins it at the end of game one against Chicago. He's the same guy that he's like the best guard on the floor the last ninety seconds of game six right? Like he forces MJ into the air ball and then he hits the game winner. Like you can't say that a guy that's able to do that multiple times to win a playoff series against Michael freaking Jordan, all of a sudden, uh, all of a sudden now in the finals just isn't up, just isn't up to the task. I don't think it's that he's not up to the task. I think he just, he just choked. I think there's a big difference between not rising to the occasion and then somebody just like fundamentally not being ready. I just I don't know. I look back at that '95 series and how they lost to Orlando, and we talk all the how many times in just any conversation have you heard like, "Oh, Michael Jordan's the best ever. He went six and zero in the finals." Well, like yeah, like six and zero in the finals. Okay, so like he, it's it's a good thing that he didn't get there in '95. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I know people ca- kind of casually. I think people kind of like casually it's not give him a pass, but again, but it's, it's kind of like they don't, they don't kind of like take that 95 playoff series uh, seriously because it's kind of like making an excuse. So let me tell you, if they, if they say Michael Jordan, instead of airballing that shot in game six, say, they say he makes it, say they win game seven in Orlando, and then they go on to beat the Pacers in the Eastern conference finals. If the bulls lose in the finals to the Rockets, we we he's MJ is not glorified today the same way that he is because he's had the perfect record, right?
1: Stop it. He's not. Stop it. He's not. If he if he goes to if he goes to, you know, four straight finals and wins three of them, knock it off. What are we talking about? No, but here? like yeah, the, of course he no, still but the whole six But there's the whole 6 and oh
0: thing, right? It's like six finals, six wins, six finals MVPs. Like 6 and 1 doesn't have that same ring to it. It just doesn't.
1: No, I'm not saying it does, but we would still think of him as the greatest player to, uh, to ever play the game. I mean, th- don't do that. He comes back from, from, from missing you know a year and a half of the game and, and was able to carry the team to the finals. And they lose to the team that won the championship the year before. You think we would look differently upon Mike? Stop. I do. I do. Oh, God, you're killing me right now. All right, let's move on before we get into a <laughs> bigger argument about this. The, the, the next season— I was season, about to punch you so in the, the face. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the reason why, uh, you know, the, the, that the Orlando Magic— or sorry, the reason why that we have the great season after that Orlando Magic series loss is because Michael— goes back gets motivated he's upset he's he's he, he always finds a way to motivate himself but he finally has a full off season with his teammates to get them at the peak and at the level that and a training camp to get them at the peak and the level that you know, they, they, they need to be at. Cause a lot of those guys other than Scotty hadn't won a championship yet. Didn't know what it took to win a championship. And Michael finally got them there together uh, to, to kind of get them to that next level. And we see the great, you know, season that they have 72 wins at the time. It was a, a record 72 and 10, and they were absolutely smashing teams. You think that this is the greatest team of all time. Why? I do. I still think it's the best team ever. Well, I wanted you to tell me why it's
0: not first. Well, a, I want you to uh, tell me why it's not because there's there's a team that you're going to talk about that I think everybody would gravitate towards and I'm just I just want to tell you that you're wrong but I want you to say it first before I tell you why the why it's the it could Bulls.
1: be recency biased could really could be recency biased but the fact that this, the, the 2017 version of Golden State Warriors is the best team that I've ever seen and I think is the best team of all time they won 67 games in the regular season uh, you know a lot of that was without Kevin Durant uh, uh, you know he he missed time. I think he missed 20 games that year. Uh, and and you know a couple games in the playoffs, they lose one playoff game the entire run, one playoff game, and it wasn't like they're going up against chop liver. They were going up against good teams, and they were smashing these teams. Uh, a lot of double digit wins they throughout were. the playoffs. It, this and you're, you're talking about Steph Curry, one of the all time greats, uh, Kevin Durant, one of the all time greats, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green's at his peak there. Uh, they you know they were deep with Iguodala coming off the bench, David West, and and they were finally healthy. And we saw we saw one of the most dominant teams in NBA history and I think that they could play in any era any era you could put them in the 50s you could put them in the 2020s or 2020s and they would be you know one of the best teams in the league didn't matter who they have so that's why I believe that they're the greatest team that I've ever seen and the greatest team of all time
0: I think that these are the two best teams uh, and it's not particularly close although if you want to throw in like the 85-86 Celtics, I, I'm not going to completely argue. But I do think that these are the two best ever. Everything that you just said, I'm not going to disagree with. Um, but one, what, what, there's this sort of misconception that everyone always talks about, like, what if the 95-96 Bulls played against the 2017 Warriors? And everyone talks about, like, oh, well, the Warriors, they got Steph and KD and Clay, and they got all this shooting. And, like, you can't just pick up the 96 Bulls and the 2017 Warriors and put on a court at the same time and just expect everything to play out the same. Because it like you have to, if you're going to transport the Bulls and have them play against the Warriors, don't you then also have to take into consideration who those guys as players were on the Bulls and figure, okay, if those guys came along 20 years later, they would be X percent better at this. So one example, everyone always talks about the three-point shooting, right? It's the low-hanging fruit. Did you know that the league as a whole and the 2017 season made about 65% more threes than they did in that 97 season? So right off the bat, one of the arguments is there's no way that Chicago would be able to go toe to toe with Golden State shooting. I'm not going to say that they would be as good as a team with what the two best shooters ever and another top six shooter ever. But like, if, if you just take what that 95, 96 Bulls team averaged from three, and then you you adjusted it for the era, kind of like what you would do with like inflation, they would, they're would they up to 11 made threes a game, which is just one less than Golden State. It's not like this is a team that would have shot half as many threes playing in the same era uh, that Golden State did. I also think, look, we 72 and 10 is one of those numbers that will live on forever. Okay, they easily, easily could have been 75 and seven. Okay, this is a team that ended the year. uh, They went 18 and three over the last 21 games. All three of those losses were by one point, one single point. And none of the wins over that stretch uh, were by fewer than three. So they didn't like win any of those coin flip games. And they just so happened to lose three one point games. This is a team that easily could have gone 75 and seven. And then like, are are we even having this conversation? If a couple of if one play in three random games in the spring of 96 go differently, it would be an absurd argument to suggest that that team is not the best all time.
1: I mean, you can make the same argument, though, for the for the 2017 Warriors in terms of there's games that they probably if they push to the gas pedal, they probably go out and win those like they we saw what they can do the year before they get Kevin Durant. We saw what they can do when they are chasing that mark and they broke the record. They broke the regular season win record when they were trying to do that. They weren't trying to do that the following year. The following year, they were just trying to get better as a team and try to win a championship. Their focus was on finishing with the ring because they missed the mark the last season. So if they were coming into the season with the mentality of, we're going to go out and get 74 wins, of course they get 74 wins with this team. I mean, they were they were easily the best team in the NBA that year and easily the best team in the NBA history. I mean, you can make the argument same thing. You can make the argument that there's games, like I said, without Kevin Durant, if Kevin Durant plays those games... They have five more wins on their total and we're, we're talking a completely different conversation now they have 72 wins as well So I, I I forget about that. That's that you that don't give me that that's a bad That's a bad take on you on your part with uh with that and and when you look at the, the landscape of the NBA How many look how many bottom-feeding teams were there in 1996? There were some awful. I'm teams. glad that you went right Cra- I'm what? I am so happy that you went here. No, <laughs> no finish your point I just wanted to rudely cut you off
0: before no, go completely ahead. I, I, dump I, I, trucking I, I, you into the... D- d- no, I mean, the because I've wrong. heard this before. Uh, okay, f- fine. I've heard this before. Everyone talks about like, oh, it's, it's expansion. The Raptors and the Grizzlies and, and the league is diluted. And what are we going to do now with 29 teams? There's more teams in 2017 than 1996. Uh, the other part of this is if you just take a look at what the, each of There's these teams team. did. Uh, hold on. If you look at what each of these teams did only against good teams... Okay, so if you look at just just how they how dominant were they against winning teams. Okay? Right. So take out all those scrubs, take out the bottom feeders. Okay, I don't want to talk about the Toronto Raptors, who by the way were one of the teams that beat the Bulls. Uh, it, it right. should be known. So shout out to shout out to, to Mighty Mouse. The 96 Chicago Bulls, if you look at only games against good teams, have the best ever scoring margin in NBA history. Second best. The 2017 Golden State Warriors. These are the two best teams ever against good teams, but for people to just throw out the 72 and 10 uh, as some byproduct of of playing in a diluted league in an expansion year is just absolute and utter BS and disrespect it, it, because it just does, it doesn't stand up to what they were still able to do against the best teams in the league, which was just dominate. They dominated everybody.
1: Not, not saying that they didn't. They did dominate everyone. But you have to take into account that there's two expansion teams in the league that, you know, scraped together to win, you know, 21 games for the Raptors. Uh, you know, one of them, as you said, came against the Bulls. They shouldn't have lost that game to the to the Raptors. That's another story here, either here or there. But there's, the Raptors actually didn't even finish in last place in the Eastern Conference that year. The Sixers did. 18 wins on the year. That's horrible. No team in, in the year that the, the Golden State Warriors go 67 and 15. No team won less than 20 games. The, the
0: depth the depth of the West is is a good, like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, uh, the, the, the landscape of the league, top to bottom, was probably better in 2017. But I just, I, I think it's just too easy to just throw away, or not throw away, but people kind of look at that 95-96 record and somehow think that it's inflated because there were two expansion teams. When you look at what they did against the other really good teams, they beat the crap out of everybody. It's not a team that went. They didn't go seventy-one and ten against bad teams, and played one game against a
1: good team or something. Get yeah, out they, of here. They beat some good teams. Yeah, they beat some good teams. It's okay being second best to one of the greatest teams of all time. I don't know. <laughs> Six, seven,
0: I will say. Know. I will say one, one of was great. One of the feathers in that Warriors team's cap is so they they go sixteen and one in the playoffs after starting fifteen and zero. The only way the only reason that they lost uh, the game four of the finals is because the Cleveland Cavaliers li- they literally made the most threes in any game in NBA history. Like they 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 went they got hotter than any team had ever gotten in any game. That's the only reason why the gold. Like that's what it took to beat that Warriors team. So um, whatever yeah. Yeah. It was potato, a, it was special, potato. From, They're both great.
1: From, from a special team. And it, it took greatness to, to finally beat them. Uh, I mean, the 72-win uh, sorry, Bulls were incredible. But immediately after... I give them credit for this. Because immediately after the season, they go on the campaign of 72 and 10 don't mean a thing without the ring. And, it, I mean, 72 wins is special. The, you know, historic season. They understood that. But... At the end of the day, they had to complete it with a championship for it to mean something. And they were able to get to the Eastern through the Eastern Conference, you know, relatively unscathed, but they got to the finals. They go up 3 0 on the Sonics, and then everything changes.
0: Does it all change? I, because I, I think that this is something that gets misremembered. Don't you're, do you're falling you're be for disrespectful the right no, now? No, I am Gary doing it. No, I'm not. You're 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 falling for the trap of a team just taking its foot off the gas.
1: That's all you're doing, okay? Wait a second. There was a funny tweet. For eight episodes, I've sat through uh, the last dance telling me that Michael Jordan is the most competitive guy to ever step on a basketball floor, who, when he has you down, he's going to step on you and make sure that you stay down, and now you're telling me, after eight episodes, that they were up 3-1, and they took their foot off the gas pedal? That's what you're trying to tell me right now? Now Yeah.
0: this this always happened. This is like go back, go back year over year and, and look at what happened with Jordan's Bulls. They didn't they did not sweep a lot of people. Every single one of they didn't have one sweep in the finals. OK, every single one, they, they all went six. And I, I believe the one against the Lakers went five. Uh, they have a history of of being up two zero 0 and best of five losing game three, being up 3-0 losing game four. This is a team that just didn't sweep, didn't sweep a ton. This happened. This is, not, this is not just one thing that happened against the Sonics.
1: So you have to give credit to the teams that they've played. I, I'm trying to tell you that if Michael Jordan is as, a, as competitive as you say he is, he's not letting his foot off the gas pedal. You have to give credit to the team that are winning the games to force those six games. I think it's funny. So, you know, Gary Payton's sitting there. And,
0: and I would expect nothing less from Gary Payton. And I love that he says what he says about right like oh uh, like MJ, you know he MJ's lucky I didn't guard him before game four and like who knows if the series would have ended up different and whatever. Ahmad Rashad uh, on Sunday after the show ended tweeted out uh, quote, "MJ told me that Gary Payton asked him for his shoes after game one and that's when he knew he had him. Michael Jordan was not scared of Gary Payton. At all, just because Michael Jordan didn't play very well. It's not like Gary Payton came in there and and turned Michael Jordan uh, and like stole his, you know, stole his powers like he was in Space Jam again.
1: Like, come on. No one's saying that, but I'm saying that he Gary Payton obviously did a good job to get them back. Like the, the games weren't close. The games that they lost to Seattle weren't close. They were by double digits both times. They got back in the series. I mean, I understand if you want to take your foot off the gas pedal, the one game uh, to, to, to save the sweep from happening. But to not close it out in game five shows you that Seattle, you know, whatever they did in game four, obviously worked in game five because he had the time to think about it. He had the time to regroup. He had the time to look at what Gary Payton did to defend him. And that did not work out. He had he had a worst shooting night uh, of the series in game four. And he followed it up by pretty pedestrian uh, effort in game five. And they lost by 11.
0: I mean, just the the reality is just like they 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 played Jordan as well as you can play him. He he literally, like quite literally, statistically uh, had the single worst playoff series of his entire career. Okay, like if, if you if you look at in that finals, if if you stack up all thirty seven of Michael Jordan's playoff series and you sort them best to worst uh, by game score, this is his worst one. Wow. You know, I. And you're I mean, tell so me like they took the foot off the gas pedal. No, I'm no, I'm just trying to say that like he just guys just he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And Michael Jordan didn't play perfect, literally the worst that Michael Jordan ever played, he still won a series up three zero and won Finals MVP. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> I'm just saying that it's more of a you're you're trying to make it seem like they took the foot off the gas pedal. There's more. There's more to it. I think Seattle got back into the series when they made the adjustment of putting Gary Payton on Michael Jordan. I'm not saying that Michael Jordan was afraid. I'm not saying that he he wasn't still going to put up great numbers. I'm saying that he was probably a better option than Hersey Hawkins. This is literally <laughs> the
0: defensive player I, of the year. Her, Hersey Hawkins name name gets brought up before Sean Campbell or Detlef Schrempf here.
1: Well, he, neither of them were guarding Michael Jordan. Hersey Hawkins had that, no, I know that unenviable task, and he, he got you know hammered in the first three games until finally George Carl decided to, to coach and make an adjustment. <laughs> so you're throwing George Carl
0: under the bus here.
1: I am throwing—this was an opportunity for George Carl to make the series a series— If he puts Gary Payton on Michael Jordan from day one, we don't know if it changes the outcome. Maybe the Bulls still go up 3-0, but I guarantee you this. They are not getting blown out by 17 in game one and not getting blown out by 22 in game three to to go into a 3-0 hole. He literally threw everything at the wall at them in game four, and it worked out. Had he had that mentality from the beginning, maybe we're talking about a, a, a game seven that Michael plays in the finals. Maybe we're talking about the Seattle Sonics winning the championship. Championship. We'll never know, but he didn't even give his team a chance until it was too late. I don't know, man. If
0: it went when your best players asking for Michael Jordan's shoes after game one, I don't care what you do the rest of the it's done. It's over. That thing was over. It was never close. It's the most most lopsided six-game series uh that ever.
1: Well, well, that's where you're wrong. It wasn't their best.
0: I, I will. I do. I do want to give shout out to Sean Kemp. Uh, Let's do that. Who, who, by the way, was a was a 23 and 10 for the series. Uh, and if you go by my, if you go by my beloved box score uh, or my beloved game score number, is the only opponent ever, ever to statistically outperform Jordan in any playoff series. That's that's pretty impressive
1: very impressive and which leads me to the next question i have for you here jordan ends up winning finals mvp they win the championship uh you know history will never look back and say that jordan shouldn't have won that finals mvp we saw the uh the touching moment where you know he breaks down in tears they win it on father's day uh all the emotions that come back for him coming back to the game the first time his dad's not there to watch him win the championship but when you look at the finals mvp votes from that season Six of them went to Michael, three of them went to Sean Kemp in a losing effort, and two went to Dennis Rodman. Was that more of a case of you, do you think writers were kind of sick and tired of watching Jordan win everything? So they, they showed some love I'm, to Sean Kemp or, or Rodman, or was he was, was Kemp that good in that series? I'm completely blown away by that, by the way. I
0: just, I you, you look back at it and you, you're just like, there's no, there's just not a universe in which Sean Kemp. Uh, was going to be the Finals MVP, and almost crazier than that is the fact that Dennis Rodman somehow got two Finals MVP votes. Like, what? What? I, I would love, I would love to get the five people who did not vote for Jordan into a room and just be like, "What are you doing?" I. This is not the first time or last time this has ever happened. Like, I, I think Finals MVP voting is one of those weird things where it's easy to just kind of. Gloss over the obvious and look for something that's not there and try to convince yourself of some narrative that, like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm just gonna really outthink this. You know what? Like, Andrea Godala should win finals MVP and not Stephen Curry. Like, <laughs> come <laughs> on, what are we doing? Okay. Uh, it's but not... like, you you look at like Dennis, like Dennis Rabbit, by the way, I went on a crazy, uh, a crazy rabbit hole earlier I'm today and this. just kind of looking because I wanted to see, I wanted to see like what on earth. Could people possibly have been thinking with Dennis Rodman uh, getting two finals MVP? Not one. It's not like one crazy writer. So he averages seven and a half points a game, 14 and a half, 14.7 rebo- uh, rebounds a game. He is incredible on the glass in games two and game six, uh, has 11 offensive rebounds alone in both of those games. But got me to thinking because I, I think people would throw the, well, well Andre Iguodala won finals. MVP. Andre Godala averaged like 16 and a half points a game uh, and was guarding was guarding LeBron, who like went nuts, by the way. I, I never understand the that one. But you look through all the finals MVPs, my man Wes Unseld, The only Finals MVP ever to average fewer than ten points a game. So what does that mean? He must have like led his team in rebounds or assists or minutes or like Wes Unseld must have just done all sorts of other things. Well, you'd be wrong because he didn't lead his team in rebounds. He didn't lead his team in assists. Elvin Hayes averages twenty one and twelve on his own team, and Wes Unseld gets it in a series in which he's his team's seventh leading scorer. What are we doing? Dennis Rodman winning Finals MVP in 96 over Michael Jordan would have been more ludicrous than Wes Unseld winning it uh, in 78, which, by the way, also
1: came against the Seattle Super shines So I'm done. <laughs> you don't, I'm going to breathe now. You can go. You don't give any credit to Dennis Rodman for, for guarding Sean Kemp and 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 doing a, a good job of that. Like, I know the rebounding stats and everything else, but you don't think the, riders, the two riders that voted for him gave him some credit for the way that he was able to defend Sean Kemp? The
0: same Sean Kemp that went for twenty three and ten and shot sixty five percent from the field for the series. What are we doing? That's like giving Andre Iguodala Finals MVP for guarding LeBron when LeBron was averaging thirty eight and twelve and nine. No, it's it's, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous argument.
1: Is, is that the craziest? Is that the craziest uh, Finals MVP? Uh, was there any other ones where you dig, were digging into? I know you West you your 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 mass. Nah, West, uh, I uh, once
0: I awesome. once I locked. Once I locked in on what's on sale, but it's yeah. I mean, this kind of happens every once in a while, right? Where like like Tony Parker wins Finals MVP instead of Tim Duncan. Where it's like okay, like just because another player happened to play well, like doesn't make him the freaking MVP. Like it, it, it's just it, it's Park it's like just a one. classic. It's a classic overthinking it. it. It just it it blew my mind. It blew my mind that that there were five of eleven people who looked at that and said, you know what? Michael
1: Jordan is not the finals MVP. Like that's nuts. I think that was more of a product of people sick and tired of, of 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 watching Mike win everything. Or for the for, I don't know who why they voted for Dennis Rodman. The two people that voted for Dennis Rodman voted for him. I think the three people that voted for Kemp, whoever they are, uh, were, were had to have been West Coast riders. And at the time, we obviously don't have the league pass and access to the league and stuff like that. So they just wanted to make a point of, hey, this guy was really good on a really good Sonics team, and maybe later on in history, we won't forget about how good he was in this series and all the season. Uh, but uh, you know that that's the only. Only thing i could think of when i when i look at uh, that finals mvp vote so six for michael then, like why three for sean Kemp and two for dennis robin that's crazy why is the camp why is it Kemp getting those and not like if you're a
0: west coast rider in june of 96 looking at this don't you look at it and say like you know what like it's gary payton's defense that made this a series like i i just i don't understand why Kemp. like i get the okay 23 and 11 but like you don't look back at that and think Sean Camp. You look back at that and you think Gary Payton guarding Michael Jordan. It's just ludicrous. It's it's dumb. Yeah. Also ludicrous. Shout out to my guy, uh, my guy Frank Burkowski, Uh the <laughs> Seattle Supersonic starting center in Game Six uh, when Dennis Rodman's going nuts. My man goes plays 14 minutes, 0 for three from the field, and zero rebounds. <laughs>
1: Pretty good effort. <laughs> Dennis
0: Rodman wins Finals MVP votes because he shut down Frank
1: Brickowski. <laughs> this goes back to our awesome. argument of whether or not Michael uh, had seen a, a center worth anything, and is uh, other than Shaq the one time that he lost to him, uh, in you know, in in the finals uh, or in the playoffs for that matter, um, th- when the. St- Eighth episode went off the air. We got the tease from your man, Reggie Miller, saying that he felt God, like he baby. was in a position to retire Michael Jeffrey Jordan in 98. Uh, of course, he's talking about the Indiana Pacers uh, and the Eastern Conference Finals. Their opportunity, really. And and, and at that time, Reggie's first opportunity, is the closest he's been to getting to a championship. Um, it, I mean, I know he had been in the conference finals in the past, uh, but... That was the best team that he was on in 98 at that point and he was at the peak of his powers at that point as well so this had he gone through i think reggie really felt like he could have won a ring had he gotten through michael in 98 i know he gets to the finals in in 2000 but that laker team wasn't losing to the indiana pacers the jazz now probably would have been you know a, a tough matchup for indiana but one of the two greats that don't end up with a ring, Carl Malone and Reggie Miller get a ring in that series if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. So, I mean, what are you looking forward to seeing in Episodes 9 about this Indiana Pacer team that was pretty good when you look back?
0: I'm ready to be fired up by the glorification of Reggie Miller and how history looks back on that guy as some larger than life superstar when the reality is just that's just not the case. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm already getting my blood pressure is already rising, getting mad about something that I honestly doesn't matter and I shouldn't get mad about.
1: Well, what, what's the issue here he's, a, he's an all-star in 98 he takes his team to the conference finals pushes Mike's to seven games he hits the game winner to, to tie the series up at two what's the issue here? I, th- I think I he think he's did a fine good job in he's fine he's a good he's a good player okay he's a Hall of Fame player
0: uh, he's an all-star but people I think look back on the 90s and think of like Reggie Miller as some some like mythical like Mount Rushmore 90s guy I'm like you can you finish better than 15th in MVP voting one time the, 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 he had a teammate, Rick Smiths, got as many MVP votes as Reggie Miller did in '98. <laughs> okay, but, but biggest but game of Reggie Miller's life. No, we're 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 gonna see in episode nine. We're gonna see the biggest game of Reggie Miller's life. Okay, game seven against the Bulls. He's got a chance to retire Michael Jordan. His right. words, not anyone else's. You know what he does? He goes scoreless and he shoots one freaking
1: time in the fourth quarter. One time. Don't do that. And you're trying to put Don't Michael do- Jordan out to pasture? What are we it, doing? It, 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 I, I am doing it. Wait a second. He didn't, he didn't go scoreless in the, in the game seven.
0: In the fourth quarter of game seven, he shoots okay. one time. His shot chart for the fourth quarter is a missed baseline jumper, and that is it. Okay. Derek McKee is shooting more. Jalen Rose is shooting more. Rick Smith is shooting five times as many. What If you're Reggie Miller and you have the audacity to walk into that arena and think that you're about to be the one to put the final dagger in Michael Jordans, I'm sorry, Reggie Miller is not Arya Stark. He's
1: not. He's not even close. <laughs> he was being guarded by two of the greatest perimeter defenders of all time. What do you want from him?
0: Someone else I w- had to, get, step, I up. I want to- didn't step up. He
1: step up. Get over it. Be better. I don't know. I, I would,
0: <laughs> I just know. would have liked, I would have liked to have seen you're right. He did eat up. Cause he's like a, he's basically
1: just like 1998 JJ Reddick. Oh my goodness. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> We're tired. Don't do that. I love JJ Reddick. but well, come on, knock it off.
0: Oh man.
1: <laughs> I, I, I hope, I hope that
0: I hope that they, you know, you know, what's another fun one. If, um, if so Michael Jordan comes when he comes back in 95 right they they play the Pacers and they lose and then the next time they play in April uh the Bulls just they beat the crap out of out of the Pacers I think they're up by like 17 at the half Jordan still doesn't play well if the Bulls would have beaten Shaq and the Magic they would have played Reggie uh and the Pacers in the conference finals it's kind of crazy that like you think of Michael Jordan and Reggie Miller and I, I, I don't know. You just the way that they're talked about, you would have think like they had all these battles. This is all they only played each other
1: one time in the playoffs. Yeah, it was kind so of was wild to series. think about. It was an epic it series, was. And, and and it'll be it a story we we'll told in episode nine. Uh, it will, we'll, we'll, uh, will we'll leave it there and 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 kind of get you set and ready for next weekend's uh, last two episodes of the Last Dance. Uh, if we we did a deep dive on the '98 Utah Jazz, it's in the archives on NBA Sound System right now. You can go and listen to the entire podcast. They'll be talked about in episode ten. Give it, give us a little sneak peek of uh, what what you can expect from that team that we haven't, through eight episodes, heard a peep from. We haven't heard from Carl Malone, haven't heard from John Stockton, haven't heard from Jerry Sloan, nobody. Nothing to do with the Jazz at all. It's almost like they're not even in the league if you watch the first episodes, eight episodes of this uh, last dance. So we're going to get them in episode 10. What, what what was special about the Utah Jazz uh, in, that, in that last and final last-dance season?
0: I think people just kind of... Look, and I know I, I was guilty of this in the in the moment of just kind of thinking of those Bulls-Jazz uh, finals as almost like a formality or some kind of foregone conclusion that Chicago is going to win. And, like, you actually go back and look closer. Like, Utah very easily could have won in both 97 and 98. I would go as far as to say they should have won uh, in 98. Uh, but I, I think it's just the history is kind of like... Sort of like look back at, the, at those Jazz teams as just these teams that just like couldn't quite get over the hump. And yeah, that's true. But I think people kind of look at it as in like Jordan was standing in the way, whereas kind of like they shoot themselves in the foot a lot. And so it's kind of like, like Utah stood in Utah's own way. There's no way it's going to be painted in that light. It's going to be just you know, it's going to be all the, you know, nobody could win on Jordan's watch, yada, yada, yada. But that's kind of, for me, what I what I think about when I think about Carl Malone and John Stockton and, and Jerry Sloan and, and those those great,
1: great jazz teams uh, from the late 90s that just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I think, I hope, I hope that we get the opportunity to see how good that Utah jazz team was. Because you're right, it, it wasn't like they were going into that series Uh, And everyone thinking that, you know, it was just going to be Michael winning back to back or or completing the three-peat here. The Jazz were a really good team uh, that season, had home court advantage in the playoffs that year, uh, and were the best team in the NBA that season, beating the Bulls, crushed them in the two times they faced them in 98. Uh, and, you know, with all the, the the drama and turmoil that we're seeing behind the scenes now that was happening and the Bulls had to overcome that to beat the Utah Jazz. You, you're right. It wasn't like the Jazz weren't good enough. It was just the Jazz kind of just stubbed their own toe. So I hope it's painted in that light to, to show how good Karl Malone and, uh, and, and more importantly for me, John Stockton truly was as a basketball player. Uh, you can find all that and more you can find so much more on the last dance on nba.com international uh, all across the world we will provide you with content on nba.com wherever you are wherever you live we got you covered for micah adams i am carlin gay we really and truly enjoy hope that you enjoyed this and we will see you next week to wrap things up on the last dance recap thanks for listening we'll see you next week